Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Ah, life is good, Jason. I hope it is for you. Life Uh, is wonderful. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we are uh, mid-October. The weather is is pleasant. I suspect uh, people are uh, either at or getting ready to go to the state fair or some of the local football games. Uh, uh, and, and of course, uh, they're you know a little weather might turn on us for a short while, but that's okay. I mean, we can you know wet you know we uh, you know we're not going to melt. <laughs> and so uh, the fact is is that uh, I don't uh, you know in some ways this is uh, my favorite time type uh, time of year. Uh, the the weather's not too hot, not too cold. Uh, you can get out uh, uh, and do pretty much whatever you want to do. Uh, I, uh, I I played uh, tennis this past week for the first time in uh, several years. Um, I have to admit that I'm not getting the exercise that I should. And yes, I know that I should. <laughs> I do get a little bit of exercise, but but I all I know that I need to do more than I do. And so you know, sometimes when we have a, a busy busy schedule, uh, that it's um, other things can can get in the way, and we shouldn't let it. Quite frankly, but I have to admit that I'm one that lets things get in the way. Um, you know, there's. Uh, uh, there, there's no perfection in this world. We all have our our missteps and our uh, deficiencies, if you will. If you don't believe it, just ask my wife. She'll tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, how's that backswing looking? Did you, did you feel good uh, after? Yeah, or? well, let's say it needs help. Uh, that That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, we did. Uh, I, I can report uh, we we had wonderful webinars this past week, and if so, folks, if they missed that, they need to sign up for next month because it's uh, um, it, it's uh, it, it's very it's really a wonderful thing that we can do that, and it helps people immensely. Uh, so uh, you know, quite frankly, there's so much misinformation. Uh, out in the communities about what's available, uh, what you know, how to actually do things that people need, uh, and when it comes to long-term care, which is a huge issue for so many, because uh, almost every family, it's a rare family that doesn't have to deal with long-term care issues, um, and quite frankly, uh, most. Uh, even most professionals have no clue how the rules work when it comes to that, and the fact that uh, the the fact that your insurance doesn't pay, except a very limited amount for a very short period of time, and then you're on your own. And there's just very few families that can afford the high price, uh, and it's always a sticker shock uh, in terms of uh, how expensive it is. So knowing. Uh, having good, reliable information on what's out there, how it works, whether you can actually receive help or not. And quite frankly, to me, it's just as important for folks to know when they can't get financial help 
as when they can. And the, the good news is, is that many folks, most people can get assistance depending on what level of care they need. And, you know, the bottom line is, if you want to know more about it, they need to tune in uh, second Wednesdays of each month for our webinars because it makes a huge difference to folks. It's a unique service that you provide, Bill, and it's one that we can all participate in because it's free to do so, and you can do it from the comfort of your own home as they're in the form of webinars. Go to WGALaw.com to register for free. Bill, it's crazy that we're already talking about the November webinars, but that's that's the next set of webinars happening. As Bill said, these are the second Wednesday of every month, Wednesday, November 8th will be the next date that you can register for. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page to learn more about long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning. Well, Bill, I know you're always excited about your webinars, and you had a busy week with those, but let's get down to business here. Where should we start on the show today? Well, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about fiduciary duties. Um, and that's a big word, and a lot of folks have no clue uh, what that really means. It's a title, you know, uh, who's a fiduciary? And quite frankly, there are lots of situations uh, where people are, in fact, considered fiduciaries, where, where they have uh, significant responsibilities and a higher calling, if you will, in terms of uh, how they deal, particularly when it comes uh, to money and health. Uh, so, you know, what does it mean? Well, well, first of all, who might be a fiduciary, or I should say, who is always a fiduciary? Well, if you're an appointed agent, now, what does that mean? Well, most people, you know, they when they create a power of attorney, uh, the, the, the person who is appointed uh, is called an agent. Now, in the past, it was called an attorney in fact, but no one ever really said, I'm the attorney in fact. No, actually, people always said, I'm the POA, I'm the power of attorney. Uh, that's the common name, uh, truly, uh, and it's still being used, uh, quite frankly, um, for a person who is appointed as an agent to represent someone else. Now, an attorney at law represents people on, uh, in legal matters. Uh, an attorney, in fact, an agent represents, with legal authority, uh, a person in personal matters, uh, and that generally can either be financial or health. You know, we're familiar with a healthcare power of attorney, and that's giving someone else the authority to make decisions regarding healthcare decisions. Now, the interesting thing about a healthcare power of attorney is it doesn't give your agent the ability to make decisions, except in those instances where the doctor uh, feels like uh, you cannot communicate effectively to the doctor. Um, so the doctor's the arbiter. There's not a judge in there 
Uh, if the doctor feels like you're in la-la land, and there, sometimes uh, it's an easy call, sometimes it's not. But if the doctor is not comfortable with your ability to understand what's going on or to communicate, the, then the doctor's going to turn to your agent if you have one. So uh, actually a healthcare power of attorney, uh, the legal document, is an extremely important document. Everybody needs one from time to time. No one can go through life and not have circumstances where uh, there needs to be somebody with the authority to make um, legal health care decisions for you uh, in the event that you have you don't have the capacity um, to make a decision. And it could be simply because you're in surgery and something bad goes on, you know, happens. It could be because you're in pain and have significant drugs and you're delirious from your drugs, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. Or it could be you have a dementia issue going on, or it could be a hundred other things. But, okay, so um, uh, an agent is always a fiduciary. Um so if you're if you've been appointed uh, a POA, uh, and then in fact, if and when you ever do anything under the authority of that legal document, you have a fiduciary duty to the principal. The principal being the person who named you as their agent. Now there are lots of others with fiduciary duties. The same is true if you're named as a trustee in a trust or a co-trustee in a trust. If you're appointed the executor in an estate, that is, that, that is a job with a fiduciary duty uh, to the decedent and to the family who are supposed to receive um, a property through the last will and testament. Uh, if you've been appointed a guardian, whether it's a guardian of the estate, which is over the property, or the guardian of the person, which is, you know, health care decisions, basically, where a person lives, how they live, what kind of care they get, those kind of things, or a general guardian, which is a combination of a guardian of the person and the guardian of the estate. So all any guardian has a fiduciary duty. Uh, to whom? The fiduciary duty is to the principal. In a guardianship, it's a, a duty to your ward, the person that you've been appointed to represent, in essence. And a fiduciary duty is a high calling. It, it is meaningful. Uh, lawyers have fiduciary duties as well. You know, so it's, it's, uh, there are lots and lots of situations where people are, in fact, and, and do have a fiduciary duty uh, to you and to others. Um, so, now, and here's, here's the thing. With fiduciary duties, it can vary a little bit from state to state, all right? And so what does that mean in North Carolina? Well, your number one fiduciary duty is to do uh, and to make decisions consistent with what you know the principal would do. 
In other words, if you know what the person, what kind of decision the person would make, it is your duty to do that. And and what's interesting about that is, is that that is not always in the best interest of the principal because people make decisions all the time that's not in their own best interest. It might be in the best interest of their spouse or a child or their family uh, or for some other purpose or cause, but uh, you know, not everyone is selfish, <laughs> which is a good thing. And so it's a matter of what, what would the principal decide? And if you know that, then as, the, as your fiduciary duty is to do that, and if you have no clue what that is, then, uh, in fact, your duty is to do what's in their best interest. Now, some states don't have rule number one, uh, and it's always to do what's in their best interest. But it's either to do what's uh, demonstrated as to what the principal would actually do and decide or what's in their best interest. And if you fail those tests, then you're in trouble as a fiduciary, and you should be in trouble. Uh, and quite frankly, it's unfortunate, but uh, the fact is is that uh, that abuse does occur, uh, and we can talk about that too. We'll get into that discussion. Don't forget, you can learn more about Bill and the team at WG Alexander and Associates online at WGALaw.com. From there, you can schedule some time to speak with an elder law attorney. You can also find information about Bill's webinars. If you want to attend the webinars happening on Wednesday, November 8th, learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, or learn more about asset protection and trust planning, go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. It's free to register, free to attend. Be sure to sign up now so that you can attend the webinars happening on Wednesday, November 8th. A quick break and back with more This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more about WG Alexander and Associates and their webinars happening on Wednesday, November 8th. Learn more about long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning at no cost to you. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button at the top of the page. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, we're having a discussion related to fiduciary duties, and this applies to those that we appoint as our agent or attorney in fact or power of attorney. These are all synonyms in your world, Bill. Uh, But you were just getting to a point where, unfortunately, there are some people who don't live up to those fiduciary duties. Well, that's exactly right, uh, Jason. And um, uh, frankly, uh, it, it is important to know that if you're acting uh, on behalf of someone else uh, and you have a fiduciary duty, which is uh, uh, frankly the the case in most cases, uh, and you breach that fiduciary duty. In other words, it's like, I don't care what they think, I'm going to do what I think. 
and uh, or I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to steal this money or I'm going to do whatever. Uh, it, the fact is, is that a breach of fiduciary duty uh, in every case uh, is potential personal liability. Uh, and that's important. Uh, it also can be criminal. It can put you in jail. Uh, the fact is, is uh, that um, there are a lot of folks, quite frankly, that in my book, who should be in jail, who skate and get away with it because it's a family member and the f family doesn't want to see him go to jail so they don't uh, prosecute um, or have it prosecuted when it, quite frankly, it should be. Uh, but uh, and, and that's the sad part is the fact that there is abuse of uh, documents uh, uh, by family members. In fact, uh, I've seen a statistic that it breaks your heart, but 80% uh, of the senior abuse that occurs in this country comes from family members. And senior abuse, uh, typically, sometimes it's physical abuse, but more often than not, it's where one person in the family is taking advantage, advantage of their position of authority in other words, they've, they've been appointed as an agent, and they're using it uh, to steal money. That, uh, you, you know, they're basically transferring uh, money to themselves that, that they don't deserve, and uh, there's no basis for it other than their greed. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see those folks go to jail, uh, as they should, because uh, they're criminals, you, you know, and there's no uh, better way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, is that oftentimes uh, other family members, uh, for whatever reasons, just they don't uh, want to see that uh, family member go to jail, and so they they let it slide. And it's very unfortunate. Uh, you know, I wish uh, that if more families uh, took it to heart and and did something about it, then there'd probably be less of it going on. But uh, that's um, something that we have to deal with. So um, the bottom line is it is a high calling. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, sometimes it's, there are disagreements about what should be done, particularly when we have seniors that are, are um, uh, having uh, issues. And sometimes it's about their care where the children disagree with what the care is. But the fact is, is that the duty is upon the agent. And just because you're a child doesn't mean that you're an agent. You know, if one of the children is appointed as the agent, there's a reason that the parent appointed that particular child as an agent. Ho hopefully, uh, that the decision as to who was appointed agent was carefully made with a counsel from an attorney. Uh, and quite frankly, um, it, it should not necessarily be the oldest child. It shouldn't necessarily be the child that's close by. It should be the child that is the most appropriate uh, for the job that they're taking on. Uh, you know, because the job of financial agent is completely different from the job of, of healthcare agent. 
And those are the two most common jobs that uh, we have in terms of appointing. You know, obviously, when you appoint an, an executor or a trustee, that's a different one, too. But um, when it comes to the, the the importance of a power of attorney, then the two common powers of attorney are health care agent and financial agent under a general durable power of attorney. So let's turn and talk about powers of attorney. Uh, there are, in my book, there are uh, three types. Uh, some would just say two, but uh, in my book, there's, there are three. Uh, you have a limited power of attorney, and, and that's a power of attorney that you sign to give somebody the authority typically to do one thing. Uh, for a temporary period of time, or generally it's a temporary period of time. And that might be because you're going to be out of town and the, the closing on your house is scheduled for the uh, time when you have to be out of town. So you sign a power of attorney to your spouse or your sibling or somebody uh, who you trust uh, to sign the documents on your behalf uh, with your limited power of attorney and but that's the only authority that you've given them and once they've done that on your behalf their authority ends so that's a limited power of attorney now that's not commonly used except in those circumstances like what i described uh, then you have a general power of attorney uh, typically a healthcare power of attorney is a, a general type power of attorney it's ongoing uh, and in almost every case, uh, powers of attorney are executed as durable powers of attorney. Now, what does it mean when you say you have a durable power of attorney? It, um, it, it uh, doesn't mean that it, it, uh, uh, that, that it's, uh, w will withstand abuse. <laughs> it, it basically means that uh, your, the power of attorney uh, is appointed and authorized to act in your behalf until you die, uh, unless you otherwise revoke it. So in, in other words, if you later in life, after you've signed it, become incompetent, you know, in other words, you have no clue what's going on, and you don't have the authority at that point to sign another document, your, uh, the, the power of attorney that you've uh, signed in the past is still valid. In other, now, you have to understand, people think that's always been the rule. Hadn't been. Back in the dark ages, when I started practicing law, there was not a durable power of attorney. And if you became incompetent or, you know, in, in other words, at that point, because uh, the, the principal would not have been able to uh, do anything about um, your, your authority at that point. Back then, if, if you um, became incompetent, the family had to get a guardianship. In other words, they had to petition the court and have someone appointed as the guardian who then took over and, of course, the, the uh, court required a bond and required uh, audits every year and, and the like. 
And, uh, of course, uh, that was a huge burden uh, on the court system, on the, on the clerks of court around the state. And so uh, fairly early on in my law practice, um, you know, yes, back in the dark ages, but uh, the legislature changed it to where uh, you could execute a, a, a power of attorney that would continue uh, with the authority after you became incompetent so that families, uh, in most cases, did not have to go to court and get a guardianship. Now, quite frankly, if you don't have powers of attorney that have been executed and you become incompetent, then uh, in almost every case, families uh, need to go to the courthouse and have a guardianship, which, of course, is unfortunate because it's burdensome on the court, but it's also burdensome on the families. Uh, you know, it's expensive. Uh, you have to have a bond. You have to have audits, which uh, typically most people need an attorney or CPA to help them uh, with that. It means keeping careful records, uh, you know, it's it's it really is a burden uh, to have to do it, but it's also important. Now, I'll be the first to say, if you don't have a person in you in your life that you cannot trust absolutely to always do what you would want or what's in your best interest and do it carefully and do it properly. You shouldn't have a. You shouldn't appoint anybody. You you know you should require the folks to have a guardianship under those circumstances uh, because, quite frankly, um, you know the worst thing that a person can do is appoint an untrustworthy agent who will take advantage of the situation, and and that's. Um, uh, it's a sad thing to see, but unfortunately, we see it all too often. And, you know, quite frankly, that uh, creates even more turmoil because when someone's abusing their authority, then the other family members uh, need and should go to a, a litigation specialist uh, in fiduciary law. And fortunately, we, we do have uh, law firms in this area that handle... Uh, fiduciary conflicts, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I, I refer clients all the time to the fiduciary litigation group here in Raleigh because uh, that's one group that, uh, that does an outstanding job with situations like that because, that, in essence, they specialize in uh, that area of fiduciary litigation, which is a little different from your, your typical um, situation. You need to make sure that you have the right documents. Well, you need to make sure you have documents to begin with, and you don't have inadequate documents as well. Get a hold of the team at WG Alexander and Associates. Schedule some time to sit down with an elder law attorney. You want to make sure that your plans are in order. If you don't have a, a fiduciary in mind, this is a good time to start thinking about that. As we are having this discussion today, it's really important to make sure that you choose the right agent for your planning. Again, schedule some time to sit down with someone from the team at WG Alexander & Associates. Go to WGALaw.com. It's very easy there to find information on setting up an appointment. You can find information about Bill's free webinars as well. Learn more about long-term care assistance, asset protection, and trust planning. 
all at WGALaw.com. You can also call the office. The phone number is 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be back after this. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is where you can go to learn more about the WG Alexander and Associates webinars that are put on the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, November 8th. If you would like to learn more about long term care assistance, financial assistance available to those who are dealing with a long term care crisis, which is a big sticker shock for those who are introduced to that for the first time. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. It's free to register, free to attend. Learn more about Medicaid, VA benefits, and other forms of long-term care assistance. You can also learn more about asset protection and trust planning. Those are the two webinars that are available for you to attend. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page to learn more. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, we're having a discussion right now related to fiduciary duties as well as uh, powers of attorney and how those work. Well, I mentioned the limited power of attorney, but most folks actually sign what's called a general durable power of attorney. And that is a power of attorney that is used for business and or financial transactions. Uh, it's typically executed so someone else, if needed, can pay the bills and sign contracts and, uh, if necessary, sell the vehicle, sell the house, uh, those kinds of transactions. Um, but uh, there are different kinds, and this is maybe the most important thing I talk about today is the fact that uh, uh, general durable powers of attorney are not alike. They're as uh, different as people that we have in the world. Uh, in, in other words, uh, th there is what's called the North Carolina short form power of attorney. Uh, unfortunately, I hate that form because it's extremely limited in what it allows people to do. And of course, since I focus a lot on asset protection, it, it's very difficult to use to protect people's assets with the short form power of attorney. Like I said, it's transactional. It allows you to pay the bills and sell the truck, but does it allow you to actually do what's necessary when you're trying to protect assets? Uh, and the answer is it doesn't work very well for asset protection. But the, the fact is, and this is the wacky thing, all general durable powers of attorney are limited 
See, so many folks think, oh, I, I have this general durable power of attorney. I can do anything I need to do to help my principal. Uh, and the fact is, that is far, far from the truth. Uh, in fact, the short-form power of attorney, the reason I don't like it is because it typically has a one-liner that you initial or you, you can initial it. Uh, and the one-liner says, for instance, it makes it says uh, that one of the lines that it has is you can make gifts, but you know that doesn't tell you as the fiduciary what kind of gifts you can make. You have to look in the general statutes of North Carolina to find out what limitations there are in terms of you. You can't make a gift of real estate. You can't make a gift of uh, that's more than the uh, uh, gift tax annual exclusion of $17,000 a year. You can't make a gift that's not been historically made. Um, you, you know, there's this, there, there's this limitation or that. <coughs> so the fact, in fact, that's one of the reasons I don't like that power of attorney because it's limited in so many ways, but the document itself doesn't tell you what those limitations are. So unless you pull out the general statutes, um, it's very difficult for you to uh, do your fiduciary duty and to do what's uh, within the limitations that you're actually given. Um, and quite frankly, that short-form power of attorney is the most common power of attorney that we see out on the streets. That's what most lawyers give you. That's what you can find in the horn books and, and the like. Um, and, and, and it's a real shame because m most of the agents, uh, the powers of attorney under those documents, think that they can do far more than they actually are authorized to do. And guess what? If you do something you're not authorized to do, you have done what? breached your fiduciary duty to your principal. So it's now the power of attorney that I use, which again, it's a, a, a personal to my law firm is, uh, and there are lots of other law firms that do these as well. So it's not exclusive to us in any way, but we call it an enhanced general durable power of attorney. Why? because it's a very aggressive document. It allows your trusted agent. Now, we would never allow you to appoint just anybody as your agent with this kind of document. It's, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing like, uh, but, it, you know, most of us do have uh, a spouse or a child uh, or a sibling that we have absolute trust in that we know would never take advantage of us and would do uh, their fiduciary duties to us or for us. And so, um, uh, frankly, when we have a family situation that's really good, then having an enhanced power of attorney uh, is often in a person's best interest. And th typically that's what we use unless we're concerned about the appointment of uh, anyone as agent. Uh, and like I said before, if you don't have that trusted individual that you can appoint, you're better off not having any kind of power of attorney. Uh, and a guardianship might be the appropriate response or a very limited uh, 
uh, power of attorney where, and this is a secret that a lot of folks don't realize too, if you have an inadequate power of attorney, there there is a solution, and that is you can actually file a petition, a special proceeding before the clerk uh, for a judge to approve what you need to do. So obviously that would be an extraordinary case, but at least you have the ability to uh, use that in a way that's meaningful without having a guardianship involved. Because like I said, a guardianship is a burden uh, on the family in a in a significant uh, way. Um, and so I, I know we need to take a break, uh, but I want to come back and talk uh, about some of these family issues that we see from time to time. Those are very helpful, and we'll get into that discussion in just a bit. Make sure that you have had your documents reviewed by an elder law attorney if that is not something that you have done in the past. Oftentimes, we get these documents drawn up, and they sit in a cabinet or a a file folder somewhere for decades, and they, they are not reviewed. And making sure that your plans work exactly as you intend is so important. If you would like to reach out to the elder law attorneys at WG Alexander and Associates, you can go to WGALaw.com or you can call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000 or online at WGALaw.com. You can also register for the free webinars put on by WG Alexander and Associates by going to WGALaw.com and clicking on the seminars button at the top of the page. Learn more about long-term care assistance. Learn more about asset protection and trust planning at no cost to you. It's free to register, free to attend, and the next set of webinars is happening Wednesday, November 8th. Go to WGALaw.com, click on that seminars button at the top of the page. We're taking a short break, but we'll be back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, back after this. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about W.G. Alexander and Associates at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander having a really interesting discussion today about fiduciary duties, powers of attorney. And Bill, we just teased the aspect of family dynamics and how that can play a a pivotal role in planning. Well, unfortunately, there are times when... you know, families just don't agree, and that can cause conflict and problems. I, in fact, I had a client communicate with me this week uh, about the fact that she's appointed as uh, mom's agent under health care and general powers of attorney. Uh, she's trying to keep her mom at home uh, and uh, making decisions consistent with what her mother wants. Her mother wants to stay at home, and, of course, that can be uh, a little more expensive uh, and sometimes a lot more expensive uh, than uh, uh, paying for assisted living, which, of course, that's expensive too, but staying at home can be more expensive. But to the degree that there are... 
there's uh, enough money to take care of it. And in this case, uh, the, the daughter who's in, in charge of that decision-making is, is, I think, doing the right thing. She's doing her fiduciary duty, duty number one, do what mama wants. Uh, of course, everybody wants to stay at home, and sometimes it's not possible or financially feasible. Now, this, this lady has siblings who don't agree with her. They want uh, her to put mom in an assisted living facility. The, uh, now, there could be reasons for that, and it could be that the other children are general, genuinely concerned for mom's safety, but it, it, it quite frankly could be the other, which could be they're just greedy and they think it'll, their, their inheritance will be enhanced by placing mom in an assisted living facility rather than spending more money on taking care of mom at home. But actually, I think the agent in this case uh, is doing what's right. Uh, you know, there was a situation where mom fell at home, which... Um, you know, gave some cause for concern. But in my opinion, the, the um, agent actually uh, did all the right things. And so now, can that be disturbed? It could be. A guardianship could be appointed. And if a judge thought this agent was not doing the right things, a judge could appoint someone else as guardian, and a guardian can revoke powers of attorney. So, but almost all documents, well-prepared documents, will appoint the person, it will say, I want the person I've appointed as my agent. If I have to have a guardian, I want that person appointed as my guardian. So uh, unless this uh, lady was really doing a poor job and wasn't doing her fiduciary duty, it's likely that a judge would appoint the very same person as guardian and the kids who disagree with her would be out of luck. But unfortunately, we can't keep people from, if they've got plenty of money, they can, they can you know, hire a lawyer to you know make problems in, in a family uh, like this. And so uh, it's unfortunate that uh, families come to that. Now, there's one other issue, and I hope I have time to talk a little bit about it, and that is sometimes you run into problems trying to use a power of attorney. Now, I've never seen a problem using a healthcare power of attorney because doctors want to be able to uh, use your, you as an agent to make decisions when, when they need an agent to do that. But your general durable power of attorney, you can run into problems using it. Uh, the bank doesn't want to accept it, or the financial advisory doesn't want to accept it. And so uh, there are things that you can do to help with that. Uh, the first thing you would do is to record it in the county in which you're trying to use it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the enforcement mechanism uh, is not as strong as it should be. Uh, the legislature has the right to do uh, that. But uh, frankly, uh, the, their, uh, the enforcement mechanism is relatively weak, uh, which, um, uh, and, and so now if you live in a small town community where everybody knows each, everybody, it helps. If you go to the bank in advance with the principal, 
that helps a whole lot. But if you're trying to use it after the fact uh, and the principal is incompetent at that point, then you can have difficulties. Plus, uh, there are lots of other things. I'll have to get into it uh, next week, I guess, uh, because I'm running out of time. But anyway, hope folks have a wonderful weekend. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. We still have a little bit more. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com to schedule some time to speak with an elder law attorney or learn more about the free webinars put on by W.G. Alexander and Associates. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page of WGALaw.com. A quick break and back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. More after this. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget to go to WGALaw.com to register for WG Alexander and Associates free webinars happening on Wednesday, November 8th. Learn more about Medicaid, VA benefits, and other forms of financial assistance that really help out families who are dealing with a long-term care crisis. Learn more about asset protection and trust planning as well. Just click on the seminars button at WGALaw.com. Dot com or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. That's all for today. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.